See, mm-hmm. here's the beautiful thing about cultivation. It's an emotion, a mindset, and a discipline. It's a three-part cycle because what happens when we do something, we're like, hey, that went pretty well. The very next thought is I bet I can do more. Mm-hmm. I bet I can do it again. Welcome to the Naughty Lounge. I'm your host, Troy Smith. I'm here with my man, Evan Stewart from Assessed Academy. Now, we're going to get some little applause probably to back on this one for you, man. Welcome. <laughs> Man, I'm so glad to be here, Troy. Glad we can make this work, man. Congrats on on your show, and uh, I know, I mean, we've known each other kind of on and off for about a it year. Seems like now. Forever. <laughs> it does. It like seems like it's been a while. But, yeah, yeah. But I'm, gl- I'm glad we can make this work, man. Thank you for having me on the show. For sure, man. Well, the thing is, well, of course, a lot of people don't know what the Naughty Lounge stands for. So you mm. know, they, they hear the term naughty, so they think about something inappropriate, right? But <laughs> I, got that, I got that set up because I want you to have that open open idea where you can actually open some dialogue about it. But the Naughty Lounge stands for not overthinking it, though. And that's basically what a lot of people often do when they come down to being business owners. So what this show is target audience for entrepreneurs or people that's actually business owners or they aspire to be a business owner. And then we get people like yourself on the show that can actually talk about the ups and downs, the background they may have come from and where they're trying to go with the idea and actually encourage people to let them know, hey, you're not alone in this thing. That makes sense? Mm. That for sure it does. And I think it's a great concept too, because um, right now, more than ever, business owners are lost. Yeah. You know, we've got higher unemployment. We've got uh, so many business owners. And I know you know a lot of business owners. You do a lot of work with Most Moto. I know a lot of business owners. And I think we're hearing the same things, which are just people are, are lost and scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they right. really need uh, direction. Yeah. But that's the good thing about being obsessed and knowing about <laughs> the Obsessed Academy, because you're going to help folks understand of what the direction they need to go to. So let's talk real quick. We go, go. It's just like a normal conversation. See, For people, sure. y'all don't understand that. Evan and I talk on a consistent basis at times. Well, you know, well, consistent, consistent basis now can be a month. But the fact that we go a month in between, but it's like we never, never missed a beat. It's like no time has passed, is right. it? Right. But also... We don't even know each other for like, I actually think it's been almost two years. I think it's been two years now, though. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. But but it seemed like it was short. It seemed like it's been a long time. It's like I've known you since we were child, in childhood or something. That's Although right. I would have been like 20 and you've been like four. But either way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? It's childhood for one of us, right? Yeah, exactly. For one of us. But man, look, so I want, I want people to know. Tell us a little bit about Evan Stewart, just the beginning background of your story, man. Mm, absolutely. And where well, you're I'm- going now. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Well, I mean, in short, I'm just a man of God that's trying to do my best to, to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, my story is, 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 it is very simple and very complicated at the same time, just right. because, um, I I've, I've gone through a lot and uh, I've been through a lot and, and I've done a lot. Um, I was never into uh, being a kid, if that makes sense. So yeah. I, you know, I, when I was really young, I'd go out and play and I would do things. But as I got older, I never did the things that people do in adolescence. I didn't mm-hmm. really go out. I didn't really party. I didn't really stay up. I, I didn't, I didn't, lose on, my you, mind did, you didn't even far. stay, you didn't stay up, bro. You didn't stay well, up. I, I stayed up when I was working, but yeah, it wasn't okay. when I was like going out and playing. And so, gotcha, cause gotcha. I, 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 I've constantly been driven by this concept of, of doing more and, and going and going bigger. Right. And so, um, now the funny thing is reflecting on that now, um, uh, there were moments in my life and experiences that I never had because I w- was willing to make that, you know, the opportunity cost of going to the bar and slamming down, t- you know, 15 shots is higher than just that four hours and, and $60. Right. And so, um, and so looking back on that now, those experiences I, I never really had, mm. but 
growing up, it was always this desire to do more. And a lot of what I do is in an entrepreneurial space. So I'm very creative. Uh, I consider myself really an artist, but my art is not necessarily putting paint on a wall, but more so uh, creating sustainable businesses. Mm -hmm. I really consider that work true works of art when it's sustainable. And so growing up, I always had that entrepreneurial bug, whether it was from you know, brokering fruit snacks on the playground mm-hmm. or, you know, in middle school, I had a technology resale business, uh, opened up a small fund to help other entrepreneurs when I was in okay, high school. Okay. 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 Stop, stop, um, stop. Hold on a second. Now, no, no, hold on. you yeah. just said you had a, what you said, a brokerage firm <laughs> selling fruit snacks. What'd you say? Well, I was, I was you being brokered, a little bit you, silly. You, I know, but, but you were selling. When I was young, uh-huh. when, when I was in kindergarten and first grade or maybe even second grade, but it was, it was very, very young. I mean, uh-huh. early elementary school, um, you know, my folks would go to, I guess it was Sam's, right? The big bulk stores. Yeah, and, they, yeah. and, and I would work around the house, save money, and then buy those boxes of like 50, 80, 150 fruit snacks. Mm-hmm. And then I would resell those to other kids on the playground. Slang and candy. Sling and candy, man. All day. <laughs> you all hustling. Day. So were you that guy? Whenever You know how you see those documentaries where you someone to say, you know, he's always had a briefcase and he always had a suit on you that are you that person. So in real life, you, there's people like you in real life. Like I'm, I'm talking to a guy that was just like that with a briefcase at three years old. Yeah, pretty, pretty much, man. Oh, I mean, man. It, 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 I'm kind of over my suit phase, uh-huh. uh, literally just uh-huh. because, you know, Texas gets hot and I'm right. not in real estate anymore. So <laughs> I'm going to wear what I want to wear, but, but yeah, I've, I've always, you know, I come from a line of entrepreneurs. My uh, father was an entrepreneur. Uh, he started a company and my great uncle was an entrepreneur. And so the entrepreneurial bug had been in my family. So growing up, I, it was ingrained in my DNA of in order to earn or to, at that time, it was just to get what I had wanted, right? Whether mm-hmm. it was spending money or just to do something. Um, you start a, a service, you help somebody, but but it's you going out and doing, not how do I work for you, but how do I use my time, energy, and resources and apply them in the highest use possible? Um, I, I had that mindset and those mentors when I was really young. And so all throughout my adolescence, conversations I was having, one of the most powerful conversations, I talked about this on, a, on another show, was when I was sitting down with my great uncle, who's a very successful entrepreneur. Mm. One of my first, uh, my great uncle and my father, my family's very tight, but those two in, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, were my first real uh, intense mentors in the business space. Mm-hmm. And we would have conversations not around, you know, hey, how's school and any girls you like and stuff like that. Yeah. It would be conversations around what problems are you experiencing? Who else in your friend group are having these problems? Wow. What do you think they would pay you to solve these problems? And I'm talking, I'm young. So it was like, like oh, problems with homework, problems with friends, you know, Foursquare isn't going well. I mean, it was very young. But the, <laughs> Foursquare. The yeah, you know, hey, you got Foursquare is not going well, man. You know, tripping. Yeah. Hot scotch was terrible. Yeah, yeah, man. Socks up to my knees. It was rough. But 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 the the, the fundamental conversation was there, which mm-hmm. is that there, there are problems that exist and you have the power to solve them. And that stayed with me for forever. I mean, you know, that's that's who I am now. So you were doing that in high school. You were actually understanding the idea of the more people I can help, the better and more successful, successful I would be. So in high school, you said you had a fund? You know, you had yeah, so, more fund? So I, um, end of middle school, beginning of high school, I started a technology resale company because you can't really do it anymore, but you used to be able to buy these crates of broken electronics. Specifically, mm. our focus was Apple and Windows products. So like Macs, PC, iPod, uh, iPods, that type of thing. And this is before iPads. But mm. um, so in high school, 
uh, in middle school and high school, I, uh, you can buy these crates of broken electronics. And for a couple hundred bucks, you could get up to like 20 broken iPods or two mm. or three iPhones or something mm. like that. So then what we would do is we would certify refurbish them and then resell them. Wow. So if you think about it, for under $1,000, you could have like 18 iPod classics. Mm. You see what I mean? So yeah. all of a sudden, now I, I was blessed to where my family is upper middle class and we went to a school that was uh, had individuals in the school that were uh, rather wealthy. Long story short, kids would be able to spend Mm-hmm. mommy and daddy's money right you know right. my father gave me enough to do something not enough to do nothing but there were a lot of kids in that school whose daddy and mommy gave them enough to do nothing mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. and they have nothing better to do than to spend their money and wow. so i saw that as kids want stuff <laughs> kids have money so what happened is, is i would resell these products let's say an ipod classic you know full retail 350 450 bucks ours was like 80 bucks plus refurb maybe 120 so i'd sling it for like 200 to 250 mm-hmm. they would save money it was certified refurb we would uh, uh make a profit and so all of a sudden that thing took off i mean i had i was contracting out students i had my professors working for me no, fact, you my didn't. science teacher yeah my science teacher said she was making more money working commission sales for me than she was at school stop it in high school bro yeah dead serious Jeez. dead serious how much money do you think you probably made man i i it was all a cash Cash business. This is before like taking credit cards on the phone, you know? Um, but I actually, at one point I was, I was doing very well. And my dad actually asked me if I was dealing drugs. Cause I oh, come home with these like these roles, like gangster roles, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. 2000. Up, huh? yeah. And so, I mean, it, you know, I think realistically thinking back on it, my profit at what I was taking home would be anywhere between like one and $2,000 a week, give or take. Um, at freaking but it was, 15? It was, yeah, it was, it was pretty wow. good. But it was short-lived, you know, and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I, that funnel, it was kind of fun, but I, I had started rolling and I was making a business, but it wasn't nearly as the real structure to make of it course, sustainable. And so we started scaling, things started falling apart, and I eventually uh, packaged it and sold it to a professor at the school. And, uh, Hold and on, stop. you, you I, said it so nonchalantly. I just packaged it and put it together, sold it to a professor at school. I mean, you said it so nonchalantly, like it's just nothing. That's big time, well, man. It wasn't a real exit. It was more of like we had worked out a deal where he would take the he would basically buy the reputation, yeah. right? So it, it wasn't like a real business exit. You know, it was a couple thousand bucks, and um, but it's kind of funny because during that time, I had also learned I I, I just I was spending money like water, right? Yeah, right. And right. Uh, just you know, I'm a kid, right? And yeah, I get, yeah. you know, you start. I mean, just stupid stuff like we'd go to the store we'd buy out all the candy i mean it was just being a kid. but you're doing it though man you know it's, it's you was doing stuff that people would want to do whenever they were an adult which i encourage people now to like hey start living out your dreams start trying different things while you're young you know get some roommates mm-hmm. i remember one time you know i don't know how it was for you it's all about getting your own stuff but man now i'm telling people if you're 20 some years old man get a roommate three roommates or something, save up your money as much as you can, start an idea, mm-hmm. a business, and just start going because you're always going to have a boss, but it's always mm-hmm. better if you feel edified in what you're doing, right? For sure. I, I believe you need, to le- you need to wake up every day ignited, mm-hmm. inspired to go to work, and at the end of the day, you deserve to come home fulfilled. Nice. And what I had what found is, so that's baby Evan, doing all that stuff. And then I grow and then I grow and then I grow fast forward to, uh, I get real, I get into real estate mm-hmm. and I build this really successful company. And what had happened was, and I, you, you touched on something interesting, which is why I'm mentioning this. 
so many conversations are built around what I had done, but not around who I was. Mm. Because on the outside looking in, when I was up to uh, 25, I'm, I'm 26 now, 27 in September, um, I had built from zero this $35 million book of business, packaged it, and then sold it to another broker in, last year. Now, that sounds really cool, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, this is, this is great. But what I had all the trappings of success and the nice things, and that baby Evan concept had grown and grown into real businesses and was building and, and working on these companies. But what people didn't see was a man that was living uninspired and unfulfilled that I was not living an inspiring, fascinating, and motivating life. And I was finding it harder and harder every single day to justify to my friends and family that I was working on behalf of them when I wasn't present in the lives of their, uh, in their time, in their Mm -hmm. life when they needed me. And so you touch on that, which I think is key because it's not so many people when they listen to shows uh, about business and they hear business conversations, so much of it is all around the profit and the money. And it's not all about that. Mm -hmm. Money is important. Yes. Right, Bill Gates can help a lot of people because the man has a little bit of bread in his account. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the question that shifted me now, which is why I'm here now instead of in there in that real estate company, was that how much longer do I need to continue lying to myself and living in that state of of default? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the reason I wanted to bring that up is because like what you had talked about, everyone deserves to be edified in their work. Right, but most aren't. Right, right. That's the first thing. So when, we'll go back to when you said the, the, the default thing, because that's the key thing you just said. People mm-hmm. are living in default. Like, are you saying like flight or fight mode or, you know? What, what I mean is that um, let's look at this concept of work-life balance. Okay. Okay. Work-life balance for most people is I've worked X amount of time. Therefore, I'm going to take off X amount of time, mm-hmm. right? The weekends aren't long enough, right? right? right. What are you expecting? 50-50? Mm-hmm. See, what, when most people are looking for work-life balance, what they're looking for is to finally say, I'm going to stop sacrificing the person that I know I'm supposed to be for the people who are looking for it, for the person I've defaulted to under the vice nice. of, oh, I'm going to be doing this for the people I care about. Right. See, when I'm talking about that that concept, what I'm really talking about is not that a state of default is one that you've necessarily chosen, but it's one that, oh, I have to provide for my family. Mm. I need to, I need to make money. I need to make someone else happy. I need whatever, whatever it is. And now you've fallen into a rhythm that is leaving some of your potential, some of your gifting, some of your opportunity on the table because you're stuck in the the hamster wheel of, Mm -hmm. oh, well, my family's hungry, therefore they need to eat, therefore I'm going to stay here. Now, I know sometimes life happens. This is not a life happens and you got to make it work. Like, listen, man, if your kids are hungry, you and I both know, we'll we'll run out and do what we need to do, right? right? But what this is, is the constant state of not moving and looking forward, because even in that moment of doing what you need to do, you could be recognizing that there is other opportunity, a gift you haven't touched, a purpose that's a little bit out of reach. And so in the time where you're not providing in the way that you have to, you move mm-hmm. in the way that you need to. Right. So that way some point in the future you can shift. Right, right, right. That's dope. That's dope because all I mean, it's, it's so much a better feeling as you're going to probably touch on some more. It's a better feeling when you are satisfied and edified in what you're doing. And when mm-hmm. money will follow when you're actually doing something, you're edified in doing. When you help as many people get to where they need to be, where they need to be, you're going to make more money. Not only that, your spouse, mm-hmm. your wife is feeling much more edified because you're in the right alignment that you need to be in, right? Because, I mean, you and your wife are doing Absolutely. this thing together. Y'all not just, you're not just here out here by yourself, naked. 
Yeah, no, no, we're not. <laughs> yeah, she is. I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you're you're good. Right. Yeah, Brittany's Brittany's not only behind, but but really, it's yeah. It's, she's actually now on the camera more than you now. She, I see her yeah, now. I was, I was about video. to say. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a there's a term that's really interesting, right? Behind every great man is an even better woman, but that right. also implies that the woman is behind the man. So right. what I think is really interesting is that in the space of business development. Um, Brittany has an amazing gift. And really, I think women in general are extremely gifted when it comes to leading businesses because they mm. typically have more empathy. Right, men, right, right. They typically Straight have up. a better understanding of emotional intelligence. And, and frankly, they're usually more organized. Mm -hmm. And that's something I found in Brittany is Brittany works with me, not for me, but Brittany works with me because of her gifting and her ability to understand process. And more importantly is that the way that we work at OA is a little bit non-conventional. So our titles are non-conventional. My title is the chief evangelist. I'm supposed to evangelize the message of, of and our mission. Brittany's mm -hmm. title is the chief joy officer. The black and white is she's a CEO. Right, I right, run right. that company. She does. But her job is to ignite joy in, in the process internally with our employees and then externally with the people that we work with. And the funny thing was is that, you know, that state of default for me was part of it was not being present with my spouse. Now, I'm not saying that everyone needs to go in business with their spouse, but right, right, because I'm not. It's like, it's like, it. yeah, yeah, my like, wife is with me, but she's not, we're not in the business together because when it comes down to it, when she got talents, I got talents. I don't, you know, when it comes down to, I, I take my hat off the folks that's going to do that, you know what I'm saying? She's going to mm -hmm. be with me, support mm -hmm. me, I'm going to be with her, support her. But the way to keep things at a, a good, harmonious stage is like, you know what, I'm going to support you in your ideas and same here, you know. <laughs> Well, well, she's with me all the that's time. That's totally fine too. Yeah, that's totally fine. I found it was kind of like Dave and Buster's, right? Like uh -huh. we got two different lives, and and they were so complimentary. Because what happened was, is as I'm shifting out of my real estate company, I'm tired of justifying. I'm moving away. God called me elsewhere. I'm listening. I'm moving in faith. And at that time, I'm building what now is Obsessed Academy. Mm -hmm. But I'm starting to build and coach and whatever you want to call it. Uh, but simultaneously. Brittany is building a business in process development. Oh, and so it was okay. literally Got it. Exactly. like, like right. hang on, why don't we just boop, marry there these you go. two and Got then it. let's roll with it. And so, mm -hmm. and so it's been a wonderful journey. It, I can understand that working with the spouse doesn't work for everyone, but for us, it, it it's, uh, it's exactly what we great, do. Great, great. I mean, so this, I'm going to tell people, so how I met Evan is that we met online virtually through uh, a, a business coach as well. Like we was on one of his lives and then he's seen some videos I think I posted on that page and you say, hey man, keep yep. it up, whatever. I say, hey man, thanks. And the next thing, you know, I say, hey, I'm a, I don't know. I don't know how we can, did I say I'm going to call you or something or, I or think, did we say we're going to do something? We're doing a live and you're like, I'm going to pull you into this uh, yeah, live but, or, but, but or something before like we, that. Before I pulled you in, though, I, we had talked virtually ourselves, and yeah, you got we me did, so, we? We got, you got me so freaking, yeah. you were so pumped, I was hyped. I'm like, man, you know what, man? Let's do something right now. And you're like, okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. what it was. Yeah. 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 You say, okay, cool, man. So we got, but what fascinated me about you though, man, is the fact that you admitted that our stories are not the same. Mm -hmm. You know, like, for example, me being from the inner city, you being from the other side of the track, right? And you didn't have a problem. And I was so, it was such a delight for me to hear somebody who's not from the same background as, my, or, as I do have, or they're not trying to downplay where they're from. Mm -hmm. To be to be able to fit in, that makes sense. Like, yeah, you know, I'm from my life was hard and rough. No, you said, look, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. My life wasn't hard. 
in regards to that, that I didn't have any issue. Like you just mentioned in the beginning, I did not stay out all day. I didn't do all those, but my mind was in a different space. Be, you know, right. I had other challenges and that right there was said, I like that kid right there. That guy right there, mm. I can respect that because that's what you want to hear someone be authentic to let them know. I didn't, I didn't come from the same upbringing. My upbringing was totally different. I cannot, you even said, I cannot, I can't even express to say, I know what it's like being black. Same thing I can express. I don't know what it's like being a white guy. Mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. other side of the tracks. Mm-hmm. But that's what we the common ground was there. I was like, man, that dude right there get much respect. You know what I'm saying? From much. That's, that's what we grown. That's where we came from that. So it was, that was cool to hear that from someone, you know. For, for sure. And that's the beautiful thing is that, you know, you and I are brothers in Christ first. Right. And that's, that's, that's straight. That's the thickest blood there is. And the second is that I fundamentally, and I know you believe this too, but, but part of, I mean, it's even in our core value. I believe that everyone is uniquely gifted and has the power to create strong, sustainable, positive impact in the lives of another person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And see, that's the thing is that a lot of people, I mean, it, you know, everyone loves a rags to riches story. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that everyone has that. Right. And then you don't have to. You don't have but, to create it, though, either. Just so well, you, can, you don't have to create yeah. it. Exactly. Like I come from a loving family that's together. Mm-hmm. That I my struggles in life came from not accepting my parents' help, and their hand was offering it. Mm-hmm. My struggles came from wanting to win or fail on my own. My struggles came when businesses failed and I was out of cash. Mm-hmm. My my struggles I. I I know that that grind. I know what it's like being broke. I know what it's but that didn't happen A because I needed to manufacture it or B because of an upbringing. That happened because at some point I was like I need to win or fail on my own. And the thing is so many people want to take a step back and say, "Oh, my life was so hard." Like growing up, I have loving parents, a great relationship with my siblings and a family that's together. And I respect the the having family struggles. Many of my friends don't have that same situation. I respect mm. coming from a different path, but it's like we're here now. So why do we have to pretend that we did something that we didn't when in reality part of your story mm-hmm. is kind of where you came from in the positive or the negative and then how that rolls into now. See the beautiful thing is I've got friends, I've got acquaintances and 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 in family circles and in friend circles that I didn't have that. So I was able to learn from a distance. But part of what I, I, I feel honestly very proud of is I can start my family understanding what a healthy family looks like. And mm-hmm. then through one or two degrees removed, what unhealthy relationships look like. Right. And, um, and I think if, if you've got someone who's listening to this, um, don't be ashamed to come from a, a stable household, just like you shouldn't be ashamed to come from a a broken home right 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 or a single parent home and all because you know mm -hmm. that's the the big story is oh you come from a single parent oh man stick with that stick with the the really deep sad i was Mm -hmm. abused whatever it may be so you can grow your Mm -hmm. audience to to get the sympathy card right but Mm -hmm. i know people that's in it like myself that came from the 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 toughness of not eating Mm -hmm. you know uh Mm -hmm. or where it's like you know what i I know what it's like to be there i don't want to go back but I mean, you have people, like I always tell people, everyone has a story to tell. Mm-hmm. Your story is what makes you unique, mm-hmm. you know? So that's mm-hmm. why it's important to, to continue to just share that story, man. But it's, So it's three things before we get ready to go. Number one being this, mm-hmm. you're intertwining, not just intertwining, so you're, you're speaking highly on the fact about godly relationships within business, mm-hmm. right? You know, a lot of people want to make sure they keep that on the DL, 
on the low, you know, like they don't yeah. want to bring it up really much or they might say it to profess it a lot and really don't enter. It's in their soul. So it's not like an inner, it's like an inner, it's not intertwined. How do you, what's your thoughts on the fact that you actually want to continue to profess that, Hey, I'm a godly man. You know, I run my, my business on godly principles. When you know that target on your back at that point, like someone waiting on you to fail or they looking for you to be successful. They're like, well, you are, you don't profess to be a Christian. So I'm not going to work with you. I mean, how are you intertwining that together? Well, I love the fact you touched on that. I said I'm 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 a Christian man that believes in in my Savior Jesus Christ. I never said I'm perfect. Right. In fact, it's the opposite. My singular goal is to make sure that my imperfections don't skew or distort someone's view of God's love. All right. The reason that I do that and the reason I live that way is because I didn't used to. And I've I was born in the church, quote right. unquote. But like I said, I I've I've lost businesses. I, I mean, I've been so broke, bro. I couldn't even buy a Coca-Cola if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I've been in these moments where I, I believe God uses what you pay attention to, to demand your attention. Mm-hmm. And for me, I had been brought up and I get distracted, right? I start buying crap. I start, I, and I'd been brought right down and it had finally taken root so deep, right? I'd finally turned and I, I, I kind of knew God, but I didn't have a relationship with my savior out of my choice. And I finally had turned and was like, what, what do you need? What, what do you need, God? Mm-hmm. And the reason I live so faith forward is because I am no longer going to know the thing that saved me and not speak it. Yeah. I, I respect people that come from different backgrounds. I respect different religions. That's fine. Like, brother, you know what? If you're, if you're right. Buddhist or something, like, right. that, I respect where you're coming from. It's not me employing that upon you. But the number one most important thing in my life is my relationship with my Savior. Above my wife, above my future kids, above my mm. family, it is my relationship with God because all flows from the source. And if the source isn't locked, that means all flowing will be broken. Nice. So therefore, I need the way that I move. It has to be forward because I cannot take false recognition. There's no reason, Troy, why I was able to build big businesses in the past. The Mm -hmm. only reason was God's movement. And looking back now, the only explanation I can have for things linking together in such a perfect way was it, it, it's not, it's not me. Like, I'm not going to pretend that I'm this big, you know, fancy guru and all this. I know what I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, looking at those links, the only justification I have for it is God. And so the reason that I bring that up is because I believe that there is such a need for people that actually walk in faith to speak it because business owners need to know that it's okay to actually live faith forward and still make money and still run a successful business. Like you don't have to be an and run a business. Sometimes you can say, you know what? I accept my physical humility so I can boast in the spirit Mm. and allow God's work to move through me. And frankly, you know what, man, at the end of the day, it's also really, really uh, it takes a lot of weight off your shoulders when you know that you can you're pass not the, the buck off. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it's not me. Yeah. Don't be mad. I'm being successful. Hey, blame that guy. You know, blame <laughs> <laughs> blame God for making me successful, man. But I tell you this, man. So before we get ready, I said it twice now. So I want to you to tell us exactly what the term obsessed mean to you because why you why you named obsessed obsessed academy because the word obsessed comes with a negative connotation to it, right? You know, you're obsessed. That means that, oh, okay, you got issues, you got problems, you need to slow down, you're doing way too much. You decided to leave the successful real estate because let me tell y'all something, man. This guy at a young age of 20-something years old was selling million-dollar homes down in Texas. It wasn't like a little – and you was wearing the suits. You were doing all those things and, you know, doing working in default, right? 
but you were doing those things at that time. But then it came to, to the point where you said, Hey, I need to actually do something that edifies me. What? So you went to, why did you name it obsessed? And what, what, what's the whole thing behind that? Yeah. And I love the fact you touched on that because when people hear obsessed there, you usually have that kind of cringe, right? You said at the very beginning makes, you know, you said the, the Nodi lounge makes maybe sometimes you think of something a little, little yeah, the naughty lounge make you think like, oh God, what's going on? Yeah, but, yeah like yeah. okay, do I need to do I need to wear wear clothes? <laughs> right. but, uh, <laughs> we are on Zoom, but you know, do I need to have a shirt? You know, with no That's pants? Right. What? Yeah, I got That's it. That's right. But but it's the same thing with obsession, right? It are these almost trigger words that imply something negative. And really, the reason I call it obsessed academy and why I'm I'm big on this concept of obsession is because as I looked back at these threads of consistency in my life. Mm -hmm. These moments where I was actually touching my gift and my purpose, even if I hadn't recognized it, I found that the one character trait that I have is I go all in, right? Yeah. Like people know, like right now I'm drinking not sponsored Topo Chico because I mm. love sparkling water, but I've got like 300 Topo Chicos right, right now. Mm. Like I, when I go into something, for better or for worse, I go really into yeah, it. Yeah, you go into um, it, yeah. <laughs> And that, that's obsession. But what I notice is that there's two types of obsession. People typically will see the unhealthy obsession, which is what you think of when you think of the negative connotations. Mm -hmm. An unhealthy obsession is a linear movement that begins with the need to overcompensate feelings of shame, guilt, abandonment, anxiety, stress. And it's a linear movement that on the outside looking in can look healthy, but it ends always in a lack of fulfillment and regret. Mm -hmm. That's an unhealthy obsession. It's addiction. Mm -hmm. it's an all-consuming passion in the worst way. The healthy obsession is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Because again, I look back at my life and I'm trying to find ways to describe and explain how I've moved in a way to, in your words, edify another individual and help them identify and move in a similar capacity to achieve much and live a full life. Mm -hmm. And what I notice is that healthy obsession, obsession in general, the way I refer to it is three things. It's an emotion, a mindset, and a discipline. Healthy obsession is an emotion. Emotion is a moment of revelation. It's knowing that that gnawing inside you that you need to do yeah. more pulling. Revelation is not, you know, the world opening up, you getting hit by a freight train and like, oh my God, revelation is <laughs> going home to your wife and you sit down and you take off your hat and she says, what's going on? You're just like, I just, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this anymore. That's mm, revelation. That's deep. That's why it's an emotion. It's because it starts with an emotion and then it moves to the next stage, which is the mindset, which is a stage of preparation. Preparation mm -hmm. can take years. It's planting seeds. It's watering. It's growing. Indeed. Okay. The thing is that your future placement begins in your current presence, and your current presence can only begin when you start to plant because you mm -hmm. can't take root unless you're first planted. And so that stage of preparation, that second stage is working your land. It's you and your ability to speak and to work with people and to work with businesses. And you have that that part of you, but you're doing podcasts, you're doing shows, you're impacting the world, and you're still being an amazing businessman running mortgages. Mm -hmm. Well, that time there gives you an opportunity to speak in a vernacular of economics to different types of individuals. So now when you move into the other room, you can connect with the business owner that says, I got this money problem here, and you can use that as a platform to be able to grow them. You're in a stage of preparation. Mm. Y'all see why I brought this guy on? Y'all see why I brought this guy on? Go ahead, man. Finish your thought. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> we got emotion, a mindset, and a discipline. We've got the revelation, preparation, the discipline is cultivation. Cultivation is a moment in your life where you start to reap what you've been sowing. Mm -hmm. Cultivation is not things get well. You grab the Rolls Royce, you're at 18,000 instead of 1,800 square feet. Life is good. No, no, no. Cultivation is a moment where you recognize that you have done what you have been working on and more can come. See, mm -hmm. here's the beautiful thing about cultivation. It's an emotion, a mindset, and a discipline. It's a three-part cycle because what happens when we do something, we're like, hey, that went pretty well. The very next thought is I bet I can do more. Mm -hmm. I bet I can do it again. 
I bet I can go. Cultivation, as I'm moving out of real estate, we have the first obsessed conference. I sit down immediately after stage. I'm looking with my friends. We point to the Dallas Cowboy Practice Stadium, which can hold at least 10,000 in five years. We're going there. That's cultivation. That moves into revelation. Now we're back in preparation. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, is that it's this three-part cycle that you work and you work and you work, and then eventually it produces saturation, which is obsession overflow. And that is what we're chasing, mm -hmm. which is the abundance in a personal, financial, spiritual, relational, and professional aspect of our life that carries over for generations. And so when I talk about obsession, I know that was kind of a long run around a short walk, but when I talk about obsession, <laughs> what I'm talking about is the emotion and the mindset and the discipline of your labor as you continue to be obedient to your purpose and your calling. That's what I refer to when I call obsession, uh, when I use that word which is why I believe it's so important is because no other explanation or system or word I believe has been able to more clearly define the traits of top performers, regardless of business or personal or spiritual top performers, I believe are obsessed. Mm, look at that. See, look at that. So as we know, he probably said it more than one time because that guy got that, that thing down packed, you know, <laughs> but so, oh, and so it's locked, man. We locked hey, Evan, so tell me this. Yeah, that's, that's deep. So tell me then how, you just touched on something, you know, they, they got the, the cultivation where they start to think about, hey, so how can I get more? But, you know, in today's time, people are talking about, talking about how can I even get it at all? You know, mm -hmm. so they're like you mentioned before, yeah. they're, people are confused or dazed. They're like, you know, because this is the time more. I, the excuse I've heard, you, know, you can't even have an excuse now during the lockdown when it was happening. And now the lockdowns are now being uplifted. This is the most incredible time you could have been more creative than any time before in your life. There would have yeah. been no excuse yeah. of why you still where you are, right? But what do you tell that person mm -hmm. that's still in that spot? Because you know this show is to help people that's either already entrepreneur to business owners and the, an aspiring business owner, but they mm -hmm. need to get they need to quit overthinking and get out of their own mind. So mm -hmm. they may not only they're not thinking about now the cultivating to get more. They want to say, how can I even get it at all? How can Obsessed Academy help that person? Mm, absolutely. Well. um, what so as in regards to obsessed academy helping that person well no, entire, you know, well, well how can they how can a person become obsessed to quit overthinking to be like evan there we go yeah, yeah yeah absolutely so the first thing is that cycle of obsession recognize where you're at because typically that stress begins with thinking that you're in a stage of cultivation or saturation and really what you're doing is you're still planting seeds mm -hmm. so the first thing is this this phrase that i love i got it from my friend rocky garza grace and space and grace and space is giving yourself the grace to recognize where you're at, the patience to be patient, and the space to figure it out in that moment. Um, but in order to move, the next thing that you need to do is, and God, this is so freaking cliche, I almost hate saying it, but you've just got to take action, mm -hmm. right? My, and and, and the, the, what, the qualifier I use changed my life. Execute at 70% of information, okay? Because typically that last 30% is the hang up. Okay. Okay. That, so you have that. Yeah, nine. A little bit. That little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I want to do more. Okay. So what is the first thing you can do? I think that I want to go into music. Great. Get yourself into an, a masterclass for studio. Like immediately start start moving because what what some people will do is they'll want, but when you can execute at seventy percent of informa information and execute on baby steps, it's execute at seventy. But the other concept is everything you do. Everything in your life needs to move the needle in a personal, financial, spiritual, relational, or professional way. Everything mm -hmm. needs to move the needle. If you cannot clearly mark how one of those areas grows when you are done do doing the thing that you are doing, do not do it. 
And as simple as that sounds, it's like instead of watching Tiger King, watch Masterclass. <laughs> instead of reading a book about, you know, instead of uh, nothing against fiction, but instead of reading Harry Potter, read a growth book in an area that you're trying to grow. Mm. Instead of being on your phone with your spouse, be present with your spouse. Things like that. Got it, man. And when you can mark those little replacements, execute at 70 with replacements, things will start to drastically change. Well, I'll tell you one last thing, man. When we have people that's high performers or people that's uh, big-time business folk, they always have a hidden talent. Now, Evan has a hidden talent. It may not be too hidden if he actually started doing it, you know, if he showed you, but this guy is a concert pianist. This guy is, <laughs> is a big-time piano player. I mean, like, he played – I've seen him do some stuff on live. Man, tell us how that actually has helped you. You told me a great story one time, and I want people to hear that, how mm-hmm. the piano – when, when you take the time of preparation to concentrate on a 16-minute or whatever minute piece, how that now transitioned over into business for you. Explain that little idea that you – do you remember that story you told me about how you I said – yeah. Okay, tell me, you said, you know, it could take me 45 days to do a 16-minute piece. You know? Yeah. Tell, tell, yeah. Break it down how they affect you in business and encourage us. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, I, I, I'm obsessed. I've always been obsessed. When I was in high school, I broke my arm and, and I had two degrees of movement in my left arm. The doctor said I would never play piano again. And so I had learned this. The last piece I ever performed in a semi-professional standpoint was Chopin's Grand Polonaise in E-flat major. It's an amazing piece. If you've ever seen The Pianist, the song that's played during the credits, that's, that's the piece. And um, I used that as a rehab to kind of get my left arm back. But what I had learned during that time, because it took 900 plus hours of practice to be able to get the piece and rehab it properly and my arm, that is. What I learned during that time was the beautiful thing about concert piano is it requires an immense amount of discipline and precision. Because one, literally a muscle twitch with too fast of a speed can throw off the entire piece. Mm. One half step wrong and everything is wrong. And so what I learned during that time was A, just how to fight through what I was facing an ailment, but B was that again, that stage of preparation, the intensity and the discipline of that obsession and working that muscle of going all in. Um, it was a beautiful representation of that because frankly, if I hadn't, if it would have even come to fruition at all, it would have been a half done version of what mm-hmm. could have been. Mm-hmm. And so as I was rehabbing my, my arm and as I was learning that piece, that, that, really had just taught me the importance of, of precision and of discipline and of every single day. You know, how much I worked 900 plus hours for a piece that was nine minutes. Wow. And, and that, that just shows you, Tony Robbins says what you do in private, you will be praised for in public. Everyone right. sees the nine minutes, but they don't see the having three degrees of motion and literally just breaking down at the piano. Cause that thing that I love doing, I can't even move my hand anymore. They don't, they don't see that. They don't see you, Troy, as all of the work you're doing behind the scenes. They see, oh, Troy's killing and he's got the show and he's got this, but they don't see the years Mm. and years of dedication. And so if there's somebody that, if you're listening to this and you keep thinking to yourself, why haven't I made it yet? I'm working my off. A, I get it. The time will come. B, understand that making it isn't always making a million dollars, but sometimes it comes in impact or another form. And C, remember, what you do in private, you will be praised for in public. Therefore, look at how you spend your time in private, those replacement terms that I had just spoken on. And honestly, just, just continue to be obedient, long obedience in a forward singular direction. Um, and that was my biggest takeaway from that piece is at the end of that, I was like, okay, 
I know what I know what that that fundamental concept of working through something as big as that. I know what that looks like now, and then you can apply that concept to work and life and all sorts of things. Man, well, Evan, man, I appreciate you being on the Ninety Lounge today, coming by and relaxing on the sofa with us mm-hmm. <laughs> virtually. You know, virtual and, sofa, yeah, virtual sofa, man. But look, t- man, just thank you again for doing this, man, and uh, taking mm-hmm. the time out from the Obsessed Academy and making it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us how we can find you, how people can actually connect with you on social media real quick. How can they connect with Evan Stewart, man? Absolutely. I'm super active on Instagram, but all my handles are at real Evan Stewart. Um, but our entire goal and our entire drive is to really identify that gift, that purpose, that calling, and then help you build uh, something profitable and sustainable around that. So you can, like we started full circle, baby, you can wake up inspired and you can come home fulfilled. But I'm at real Evan Stewart. Check me out. Um, we've got amazing content. We've got our own podcast. We'll, we'll get Troy on there. You can hear a different version and different side of, of that conversation. And, uh, but I'm just grateful for your time to, to listen to the show today. And hopefully you took away something that was impactful. Nice. Well, hey, guys, look, thank you for coming by Nine Lounge. Remember, the true outcome of having a mindset of successful thinking is having an unwavering expectation of successfully achieving a predetermined goal, knowing that the outcome is supposed to happen. And remember, the two most important currencies in the world are time and relationships. Time you got to invest wisely because you can't get it back. Relationships get you places the money came by. Mahalo. Mahalo.